You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Well, my friends, we've had that you know intro now for 305 plus episodes, and maybe that is the question of the day. The question of the episode is, what the f is a non fungible token, or what is an NFT? And you know, if everything can become an NFT, or if an NFT can impact everything, and if beauty is in the eye of the beholder, who are we to tell people what art is, or what utility is, or where where community matters? And I, for one, I will just tell you, this episode is not one that I ever thought I would be um, putting out there. If you go back and listen to any of the episodes uh, a couple of months ago of the podcast, I talked about me being uh, artistically challenged in many ways, um, where you know I'm very blessed that I get paid uh, to talk, you know, on stages and on the microphone. Um, and you know, my delivery, a lot has to do with, uh, you know, telling stories via video, telling stories via, uh, social audio. You know, I, I did blog, uh, on my website for about five years straight once a week. Um, but writing of course was definitely not my strong suit. And I would say, you know, art, you know, drawing or painting or creating something, um, artistically is not, has never been really my, uh, strong suit, something that I would say that was, I was great at, but interestingly enough, this journey has been, um, mind blowing because there's stories that I love to tell. There's emotions that I want to, uh, convey and, and an impact I want to make on the world. And I will tell you, I've now had a couple weeks of exploring AI art, artificial intelligence art. And I'm just going to tell you, it's blown my mind what it's evoked inside of me, what it's allowed me to explore that I didn't know was really something in my warehouse. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'll talk a little bit about the tools that I'm using, the things that I'm testing out. And I am by far not an expert on AI art. I have you know, just started exploring it uh, the last couple of months. We, I bought a lot of AI art, but I'll get into all of that, of course, uh, over the, the episode Real quick, we definitely have to give a shout out to our sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference, excited to be a part of that. I'll be giving a, a keynote there um, at the event, but also for those that you know maybe can't attend the event, can't come out uh, to San Diego, I'm going to tell you at the end of the episode uh, a little bit about ways that you can still uh, consume all that content and take advantage of all the great things that are happening out there in beautiful San Diego. With that being said, you know, we are buying an NFT every single day. We have 59 days left. Wow. Whew, 59 days left, my friends. We've been doing this uh, you know, all these days in a row. And I want to give a shout out to back on September 11th, a couple days ago, we minted a, a really cool piece. It's called Watch These Colors Dance. 
and it's by a gentleman named Brian uh, Friedman. Now, Brian, the only thing that's you know Brian has going bad for him, in my opinion, is he spells his first name wrong. It's with a Y, not an I. I'm Brian with an I. Uh, for those that don't know, that's my my first name. I know I go by Fanzo, but we minted it um, over on Known Origin, and you know it's a the way that he excri- describes it is that it is uh, watch these colors dance is a collection of ten animated cubism works created by Cuban Cuban artist Brian. Each of the 10 works consist of 10 editions. And I will just tell you, it's just like digitally cool. It has just like this like bright color vibe, energy. You know, anyone that knows me, I love like neon. I love bright. I love loud and proud. Uh, and this art represents this. And when I saw it, uh, you know, uh, you know, available for our collection, to me, it was a no brainer. I had to jump in and add it to our collection. And so with that being said, you know, the, actually, I would I would just gonna, you know give a shout out to I don't give a shout out to like mainstream media very often, but um, the the intelligent uh, or New Yorker um, recently wrote uh, there's been some articles on um, artificial intelligence and AI artists, and one of the things you know we've we could talk about like deep fakes and some of like the the AI um, animation that is available. You can create videos now by simply typing in a script. And there will be like an AI program person that will actually say exactly what you type um, into a script. But one of the things that um, that has really caught a lot of fire recently are the AI art component, right? And there's a couple different tools that are out there. Uh, Dolly Two is one um, that recently released their their beta component. There is also um, a couple others called one of the ones that I use on a regular basis is called uh, Mid Journey. Mid Journey is another one of the our art projects. I'm going to talk about a couple um, of the other ones that exist as well. But first of all, I just want to say, like, I've always looked at technology as not replacing what we do as humans, but allowing us as humans to do more of what we are great at and allowing us to scale and find more time to, you know, love and have emotional connection and empathy because, you know, artificial intelligence, robots, um, automation, like that, none of that has things like empathy involved. But at the same time, there is something beautiful about the role technology plays for us to capture moments and experiences, right? And, and you know, one of the things that I looked at when I first started you know, thinking about AI art, I was like, wait, AI art? Like you're having a computer generate art? Like that's not art. That's not, you're not an artist if a computer is doing the work for you. Right. How many of you probably agree with that? Right. Like you're like, yeah, wait, how is this considered even art? Right. Because if a computer, if an AI, you know, uh, generator is, is creating all of this, you know, how, how could that be considered art? Like anyone can do it. Well, I'm a, I'm a challenge you on something there. Right. If, if, if anyone can do it is part of the reason AI art is not considered art. Well, can't anyone take a paintbrush and paint and paint on a canvas? Can't anyone grab a camera or even use our phone and take a photo? So the argument against AI art saying that anyone can do it, I, I think is null and void. The other thing that we that you we might be able to put out there is like, wait a second. If it's if if the tech is doing all the work and all you're doing is clicking a button, is that really like considered art that we should we should treasure or we should care about or or it should be something that we um, embrace? And I will just tell you how many of the, the greatest pieces of art are photos that were taken by what? Clicking of one button on a device, right? 
But you might be saying, like, wait a second, but Brian, with a photo, it's about capturing the environment. It's about getting the exact right settings on your camera. It's about tweaking all of these things and then also knowing what you want to capture. That's why photography is is considered art, and I'm a huge uh, photography fan. Well, the funny thing about AI art, for those that, that aren't familiar with how this works, is that AI art can show up in many different ways, and there's different um, generation, there's different engines that you can use, and some of them use natural language processing, which means that you could actually put in just you can type in you know normal words and like tell a story and, and kind of what it'll do, it'll take what you give it and it'll it'll generate the art based on that. Other ones use a lot of different prompts and triggers and you know different components where you can upload a, a photo, you can change. Um, you know, how do you want it modified? What are the settings that you want? There's others that allow you to, to, to you know, kind of tie back to specific artistic styles, right? If you want a, a certain style, a Van Gogh or whatever that may be, or a painting or a mural, you can kind of connect those dots and then kind of put that forward. And I will just tell you, you know, you know I've been generating uh, multiple pieces of AI art. Um, I've been actually wearing my Twitter profile photo uh, for the last many weeks, um, you know, off and on has been uh, a piece of art that I actually created via AI. And the interesting thing about it is before I clicked that final button to export that piece of art, it was about six hours worth of work of testing different prompts, changing different, um, you know, inputs, adjusting certain things to see how the, the, the algorithm, how the AI was going to actually interpret that and export it. And then I was changing, you know, different versions and I was, you know, upscaling some of them and I was uh, tweaking and modifying, you know, background, foreground, lighting, um, adding different variables to see how all of that was going to manipulate the image you know, until it gave, until it got the image that I, you know, kind of loved. And, and I will just tell you for me, what it's allowed me to do is to get out in a, you know, in a, you know, in sometimes a static form and other times, uh, you know, an animated form, it, it's allowed me to create and, and share in another medium that I never knew that would be something that would be my vehicle. And, and I will tell you the way that I've been working it is that, you know, I have an idea or a story that I want to be, you know, visually represented. And I worked through the prompts and the, and the different engines. I even try multiple different tools. I, I was approved for the, the Dolly 2 beta. So I've used Dolly and I've used a couple of the other, you know, from um, mid journey to a couple of the other ones that are out there. And what I'm able to do is I'm able to add prompts, change different words. And I will tell you just adding a, a different comma or changing the different, you know, um, you know, where the words are positioned in your prompt actually changes the output. And then how you modify that will actually change where it goes from there. And I, I will just tell you in, a, in one of the pieces that I'm excited to kind of put out into the world very soon, you know, it was 84 customizations of just this one piece. And then I exported it and transferred it over to my iPad. And then I manipulated it on my iPad using one of the Adobe programs that I have to kind of tweak it, um, you know, color positioning, lighting um, to, to the way that I believe that it would represent the story or the thing that is most important to me. And I will just say, it's been a hell of a lot of fun and something that I just, I'm not sure I would have ever imagined um, would have been out there. But there's also like a downside. And, and I always say this, and I think it's often overlooked, is that there's no technology in the world, no innovation since the beginning of time that couldn't be used for both bad and for good, right? 
And so if you think about it from the light bulb to the so social media, right? People would, could blame social media, saying social media is bad for our society. Others could argue society's been bad for far too long. Social media allows us to shine a spotlight on it or amplify it or to bring together, you know, people that say they're no longer going to stand for certain things. But one of the things that, you know, it was on this New Yorker article, it says, will Dolly, the AI artist, take my job? And the byline is, I was unnerved by how, how well Dolly, too, mimics a human photo editor. So I put my AI competition to the test. Now, it talks about those that have used AI um, to win art competitions, right? Or um, to, you know, kind of project or put things out there to the world to mimic things that are being created. And this is where, for me, the way that I like to look at this, right, is that I'm not trying to use AI art to replace other art that exists. Where I'm using AI art is to create something that I could have never created otherwise. Let me say that again. When we look at innovation and technology, for me, it's about the ability to do something that either naturally or normally I wasn't able to do in any other form or fashion. And in a way, the beauty of that is not only is it in the eye of the beholder, but it has so much to do with the emotions that I'm feeling and where I want to to take something. Because I will tell you, for me, you know, I, I I've tested, you know, I spent a lot of hours with you know AI art now. And one of the hardest things to do is actually get the AI generator to generate exactly an image that you know is out there, right? So like when um, you know uh, when Queen Elizabeth passed and, and rest in peace uh, to the Queen, um, you know, whenever um, that when that had happened, I was like, you know what? I'm going to use AI to generate like a, a photo that I can share on Twitter. And I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you this so that people have a little bit of context. You know, I put in there like Queen Elizabeth, um, you know, uh, I put like Queen Elizabeth sunset over, uh, sunset over England, uh, the emotion of, of empathy and grace. And I put a couple other prompts on, you know, beyond that, as far as, you know, um, you know, the type of lighting I wanted, the photogenic component, and I'll tell you, I hit, I hit generate, and the queen that the engine came up with was not Queen Elizabeth, right? And then I had to go back and manipulate, and I will tell you, about 20 different prompts later, I still had not created what the, like, that image that I was trying to create. And, and to me, like, that's part of this whole conversation, is that there is something more powerful or something more beautiful in where, this, kind of, where we kind of position all of this. And I will just tell you that, you know, AI art might not be your favorite type of art. It might not be art that you love. And guess what? That is all up to any of us. We all have that decision of what things we like, what things we don't like. But I also like to think of the beauty of art that I've known it, right? I'm a music whore. And I say that with, you know, as much, as much love as I can um, for that concept, because guess what? Music to me is something I cannot create but I appreciate and love. I lo if you listen to my playlist, it goes from Wu-Tang Clan to Zach Brown Band to Dave Matthews Band to Tim McGraw to Taylor Swift to Ed Sheeran to Justin Bieber to, you know, let's, let's flip it back on, on the other side. We could go Justin Timberlake and then it, it, would, it would go to maybe an Usher song. Uh, you know, one of my favorites, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Like, I'm a music whore. I love all genres of music. But I also recognize, like, for me, that, that the consuming of music, sharing music, using music in my life, it's a big impact. But I also know not everyone loves every genre. And, and many of you, when I just said those, those artists, you're, like, laughing. You're like, 
Did he just admit that he likes Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber? Yes, I did. But for me, the, the, the piece of this that is so exciting is that where I look at AI art and where I look at the ability to use the tools at our disposal to generate something is this idea is that what if I can create or visualize or demonstrate or position something that is educational or something that, that I'm trying to uh, put out to the world and the people that I'm trying to reach, they best consume that via a, you know, an artistic image or a uh, animation, right? Because like one of the limitations of even this podcast, right? If you're listening to the podcast, I'm in your ear holes, right? So you as a listener get to imagine when I tell a story and I mentioned my artists, right? You can visualize yourself what you, what you think I look like or I talk about or, or how those musicians appear. But if I'm doing it via video, I'm deciding as the creator what you're, what you're actually visualizing, right? Now, if we take it a step further, if I'm doing that via written, I'm now literally constructing the story and the narrative as you kind of form it. But we've all done it, right? We've all seen a piece of art and we've made that statement like, how the hell is that worth a million dollars, right? And and the funny thing about it was it, it doesn't have to be worth a million dollars to you. And in most cases, the artist isn't creating it in the essence of like, hey, I'm creating a million dollar piece of art. Ultimately, they're trying to convey either an emotion, they're trying to entertain, they're trying to invoke some kind of reaction, right? There's, there's that element of what all of this kind of represents. And so I will just tell you, for me, the beauty of this is that I'm not trying to you know, create something that is better than anything else or to create something I wish I could create via painting or digital, uh, you know, or using Blender or 3D images or whatever that may be. I'm, I'm using AI to reimagine a way to convey the story, the emotion, and the things that I want to put out to the world. And to me, how cool is that? Especially for someone that my entire life, I even struggled a couple of years ago when people would call me a creator. I was like, I'm not really a creator. I mean, I press the damn button on video, I, I talk on audio, and I get on stages. And then I, I started to realize, like, I create experiences. I create movements. I create education. I create feelings and emotion. And so I am a creator. And I think this is where we too often want to argue and fight about narrative and, and what we think what is and, and who is right and who's wrong. I think this is one spot where we can just say that, hey, if it's, if it's not for you, don't buy it, don't use it, don't consume it. But let's also not shun it or make certain you know, um, you know, kind of proclaims about something without recognizing that it might just be our own bias. Right? It might just be the own, our own way of seeing something or, or visualizing something. And the beauty of all of this is thanks to the blockchain, right? thanks to what, what NFTs represent, we're able to create, we're able to permanently put out to the world and have that digital ownership perspective, and we're allowed others to consume it, others to embrace it. And I will just tell you, one of the things that I've been struggling with is that you know, when we sell this collection uh, in 59 days, right, whoever buys this collection at, at our auction, you know, they're going to get all 365 NFTs. But 
for me, those NFTs have an emotional connection. I, I, each one of them, I can tell you the story of why I bought it and where I was and, and the things that kind of factored into it. And so for me, part of that is like, you know, it's going to be hard to let go of some of those, uh, of those NFTs and, and some of that collection. But it, it also means something to others and those that are watching or those that are listening. And in a, in a way, I wanted to capture that. I wanted to bring that to life. So one of the things that I am working on that I will be able to announce very soon is a drop that will actually allow you to, to purchase a, a snapshot of this entire experience. And I'm going to create multiples of them based on different snapshots of this last year because so many of you that are listening have been on this journey with me, right? You remember when I minted a couple projects in December and then nobody else minted them. And I was wondering, I was questioning, was my research, was my, my strategy legit. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was not as great as I, I as it might have might need, needed to be. And then for me to be validated, right? Maybe many of you were on this journey when my wallet got compromised in March. Many of you were on this journey when we, we started minting on other blockchains and, and discovering all of these different um, components that are out there. But I think more so than anything, one of the things that's taught me, right? 305 days, every day buying an NFT, every day creating a podcast episode, you know, I, I've said that, you know, maybe the greatest takeaway for me isn't the collection. It's not the success of this podcast. It's that I proved to myself at 41 years old that just because I haven't done something my entire life doesn't mean I'm not capable of doing it. I'm someone that's told myself for my entire life that consistency is something I struggle with because I was diagnosed ADHD. I have dyslexia and I've known that being even going to college classes on a regular basis, consistently just showing up to class was a struggle. And I didn't care if the class was at four o'clock or at 9 a.m. You know, sorry, mom and dad for, um, you know, the truth coming out on there. But I think more so than anything else is, you know, when I look at the future of technology and humanity, right, I really focus on the harmony, right? How can we find the harmony of technology and humanity to make the world feel less alone, for us to feel like not only are we seen and we are heard, but there are people like us and that there is no reason that the suicide rate is going up in a world that we are fully connected. There is no reason that people have to feel unsafe or feel like they, that nobody cares about them or what they believe in or what they, what they want to do in this world is you know, isolated. But at the same time, we also have to embrace new ways for us to, to communicate, new ways for us to deliver value, new ways for us to express ourselves. And I will just tell you, I, I mentioned that, you know, at 41, I learned about consistency. You know, at 41, I'm also learning about this artistic love that I have inside of me that up until NFTs, I didn't really know. I didn't really think about what, what are the things that I want to surround myself with, what are the emotions that I care about? What are the things that I want to see in my world? How do I want to help amplify and celebrate those in this space? And for me, I'm not trying to compete with artists that have been in the game for 25, 30 years. I'm not trying to compete with photographers that, that know how to capture so much in this, with the single click of a button that no iPhone could ever replace. But what if we stop thinking about things like AI as replacements, and rather as AI, as being able to capture, create, and really bottle something that we've never been able to do before. 
I think the argument needs to be less about what someone thinks something is or what a label is or what we call something and more about, hey, if this is, if this is something someone puts out to the world and if it resonates with just one person, isn't that all that matters? And in another way, I'll just say, you know, as someone with ADHD, you know, I was told most of my life, you know, if someone looked at my Google Docs, they would see, you know, just this month, I probably have 150 Google Docs that I've written out brainstorms or I've, I've put together blog posts or show notes. And guess what? No one's ever seen them, right? I've never posted them online. And for the longest time, I was believed, I was taught to believe that I was a failure for not putting them out to the world. I mean, my mantra is press the damn button. But what I had to figure out was that my way of creative freedom, my creative process, my ability to deliver what I believe is my you know, calling in the world to be able to deliver to the world requires me to, to empty my brain that way. The, all of those, those Google Docs, those aren't incomplete you know, activities. Those are activities that allow me to do this damn podcast every single day. Those are things that allow me to be excited and motivated and passionate and fired up every single time I press the record button. And so imagine if we stopped allowing others to tell us what was exactly best for us or the way that we have to do things, and we just took a step back and said, what if I reimagined the way that I create? What if I reimagined the way that I work? What if I reimagined my workday? What if I reimagined the way that I was able to convey my messaging? For me, there's just something really powerful that I'll be able to drop a, an AI collection very soon that is going to capture the emotion and capture the feelings that I had this past November, this past December as we started on this journey. And I'm going to put it out there on the blockchain. And even if no one buys it, to me... What it represents is my ability to, to, to tell my story, to share that in a different medium, in a different form. And so I don't look at AI as replacing jobs. And yes, there will be some jobs that will be automated. There will be some jobs and there will be some tasks that we will scale. And, and don't for a minute think that I don't understand that you know, AI can be used for bad. Robotics can be used for bad. Automation can be used for bad. But what can it be done to be used for good? Something like the metaverse, allowing for those that maybe are, are embarrassed or feel like they're, they're not seen in this world or are struggling with their own phobia of living uh, you know, out of their house. What if we were able to allow them to, to you know, in the metaverse, experience things that their physical body has, not, you know, has limited them from, from actually feeling? What if we were able to, to create an environment digitally that will allow us to thrive, those of us that are neurodiverse or those of us that learn differently or, or think differently? To me, this whole space, Web3, is not about the technology. It's rather about that harmony between technology and humanity. And it's not about what can the, the, the blockchain replace, but rather by embracing the blockchain what can we now do and what can we now create? What can we now reimagine? What can we now reinvent? And ultimately, what are the great things that we're going to be able to do in the world? And, and some of that is just being able to share our stories, share our emotions, and put those things out to the world. So I hope, you know, you know for me, this wasn't my, my job isn't to convince you uh, about AI art. My job is not to convey that I'm an expert in that space because I'm far from it. But I will say that there is something magical about finding a new way to share your voice, 
a new way to convey the stories that are important to you. And I will never dull someone's light or stop someone from sharing their stories or putting their messages out to the world because I permanently believe we need more people doing that. As this world is full of so many great people that are doing great things, and unfortunately, we spend most of our time talking about the bad people doing bad things and highlighting all of the negativity. And I think part of that change needs to become us and how we prioritize things and the things that we put out to the world. Of course, I did mention at the beginning of the episode, uh, I would mention you know, at Crypto Business Conference, one of the things that's really nice is that if you, if you can't attend the actual event, you can actually sign up and, and you can actually purchase a digital version, right, where you can actually get all of the content um, online so you can consume it on demand uh, when you want to actually consume it. So definitely a very cool feature, a benefit where you know, just because someone can't travel to an event doesn't mean they don't value that information or, or want to consume some of the, the knowledge being shared on stages and uh, and that's kind of the beauty of what uh, this technology allows us. So make sure to check out socialmediaexaminer.com slash NFT365. Uh, and there are definitely lots of different options on how you can participate in that event. And lastly, I'll leave you with this, my friends. You know, not only is life short and not only is our world much smaller than we think it is, but People care a lot less about us than we think they do. People aren't spending their time as much as we think worrying about what we're doing or talking about who we are. And in too often, we, we stop ourselves from putting out something to the world. Like, I wanted to create this episode of the podcast three weeks ago. But I thought, man, what are people going to say about, what are my artist friends? What are these great people that I've interviewed on the podcast going to say when I start talking about my ability to create AI art has unlocked something inside of me. And then I recognize that it's not, a, it's not about me replacing them or making them less than me or thinking that we are competing in anything. I mean, the mantra of the podcast is pretty simple, right? We are greater than me. And I believe the more that we can tap into being the best me that we can be, the easier it is for us to grow, allow us to collaborate and make that global impact on the world as a greater we. So I'm going to challenge all of us. If, if AI art is something that excites you, test it out. Go out there. There's lots of YouTube videos, lots of great tools and technology out there. If you have no interest in this, have no interest in it. Maybe for you, you can collaborate with an artist or someone that can convey that message. Because not everyone's great at, at talking on a microphone, right? I don't think everyone needs to start a podcast, but I do believe every business and every brand could benefit from having being involved with a podcast, either as a sponsor, being interviewed, or creating one themselves. Much like social media, social media, I don't look at it as solving the problems of marketing that existed since the beginning of time. You still have to solve those problems. But social media does allow us to create certain things and, and, and deliver certain things in ways traditional media never did. And I think we have to think about that from art. We have to think about that in NFTs. And we even need to think about that when it comes to crypto and the idea of what can we really do to reimagine, reinvent what is possible. Because it's not about replacing something. It's about the idea of truly making something better or something creating something we've never seen before. And trust me, the haters are going to be there. This poor person that is listening on our Instagram stories, you know, they're, they're saying, what, you know, WTF, bullshit, bro. 
And the funny thing about that is that's not about me or what I'm saying. That's about them and how they're looking at things and their own you know, way of life. And not only is it okay for people to have different opinions, but it's also important to remember that if those people aren't going to aren't people that you would look for for advice or aren't people that you would lean on and respect their opinions on something you want to accomplish, why would you allow their negativity to stop you from accomplishing the things that you want to create? As always, my friends, until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.